and commercials on a pear tree. Jingles there, jingles there, jingles all the way. Dashing through the snow in a 50-foot coupe, o'er the fields we go, sailing all the way. Good evening, and welcome to Gray Matters, your weekly Monday evening review of the madness and insanity in general. It is our world, and my name is Jim Dwyer, wishing you a happy Christmas Eve, happy Crumble, happy Joy Joy, Merry Christmas, and all that good stuff. It is snowing, actually, out now, uh, outside now at the moment, so if you're Getting ready to go driving about. It's a little slick out there. Normally by uh, this time in a calendar year, we've had a couple of opportunities to reacclimate ourselves to the necessary maneuvers and procedures to uh, modify your driving style ever so slightly to uh, account for the weather. And so we've really only had the one chance to do that. So take it easy. Drive carefully. A little slick out there. but. That's what December is supposed to do, right? So glad to see a little snow. And, of course, as the uh, classic Rankin and Bass cartoon about Frosty the Snowman would remind you, Christmas snow is magic snow. So let's uh, appreciate and enjoy that. Dick Whaley's uh, enjoying a get-together with his family at this uh, holiday time of the year. My family are here in town, so I'm able to provide you with this week's program, a solo effort. And so I'm largely going to continue to uh, talk about what occupied most of our program last week. That is the uh, tragic events in Connecticut. I'm not going to talk so much about that event, but uh, some of the responses to it. Uh, quickly, though, before we get to that, we'll have to talk in greater length next week about ongoing events in Syria as that situation continues to uh, unravel and degrade into uh, further entrenched civil war. Let's basically call it a civil war there in Syria. There are new reports uh, that the Syrian government is using cluster bombs against its own people in certain cities. 
There are also uh, fairly credible reports, uh, particular of the work of Patrick Coburn, uh, who's actually in Damascus. And there's no better way to write about the events of the world uh, uh, than actually going to the places where these things are happening. And Patrick Coburn uh, has a lot of interesting things to say uh, in pieces that have been published on the counterpunch.org website. I strongly recommend that. Uh, Founded by his uh, brother Andrew, the late, uh, excuse me, Alexander Coburn, uh, founder of Counterpunch. Uh, And uh, Patrick Coburn writes about uh, Iraq-like sectarian violence, where Sunni and Shia are beginning to go at each other. And, of course, the Ba'athist government in Syria is largely Alawite, at least the uh, ruling uh, family are Alawite. And so that's complicating the mix as well. So as the uh, potential for a workable uh, future solution for the uh, Syrian people seems to slip away. Uh, Closer scrutiny is, of course, required. And, of course, we uh, ease, cruise, slip, whichever uh, word you'd like to use, uh, towards the so-called fiscal cliff. Uh, Boner, Boehner's Plan B uh, doesn't appear to have any traction. Uh, So we'll see what happens there, although it's interesting to note that in the uh, New York Times of last Friday, uh, statistics show, surveys show, not to uh, quote Family Feud, but uh, Americans are willing to cut taxes, uh, excuse me, uh, to cut spending in order to uh, balance our budget in ways that politicians are not. Uh, More than 80% of Americans are willing to uh, cut the amount that we spend in foreign aid, well, foreign aid is really uh, just about 1% of our annual budget. It's easy to criticize that, uh, but it's really not that large of an expense. And in many cases, the uh, money that's spent in foreign aid uh, is helpful, useful, uh, saves lives, uh, provides services, uh, increases uh, our reputation abroad, and that's a worthwhile expenditure of money, I should think. However, Uh, about 75% of Americans think that we should cut spending on Afghanistan. That's a more sizable chunk of expenditure. Uh, That's somewhere in the 4% to 6% range of uh, annual government spending. Uh, Just the air conditioning costs in Afghanistan alone are monumental and would certainly be better spent perhaps in air conditioning public schools here in America. Well, let's not get carried away. Uh, Another area where more than 50% of Americans, uh, just over 50% of Americans, uh, think that we could cut spending is in defense spending. And of course, here's the goose with the golden eggs, right? We don't really actually know what the full defense budget is because the intelligence agencies, particularly the CIA, has a, a partially hidden budget and they fall under defense spending as well. But this is uh, certainly a very easy place to make cuts. That is uh, very near 20% of what we spend every year. And the cuts are numerous. Uh, The waste is well documented. Uh, We have huge bases uh, surrounding, uh, enveloping the globe. 
Um, we still have thousands of troops in Germany, in Japan. Uh, we've not been at war there for years. The Cold War is over. There's no Soviet threat in Germany anymore. Why have we got those bases there? Why do we still have missile bases in Britain? Uh, the DMZ in Korea is maybe more debatable, but we've got over 50,000 troops there as well. These are all costs which uh, need to be realistically reconsidered. Uh, we spend hardly any on education, and yet, sadly, uh, almost 40% of Americans think that there are cuts to be made there. Um, of course, as a professional educator, I uh, would argue with that, but I won't belabor the point now. So, uh, fiscal cliff, well, of course, uh, each one of us in our own households has to maintain a uh, family budget, and there are responsibilities there, there are costs, there are planning, uh, there are all sorts of factors. These are things that you want, these are things that you need. These are things that you don't really need but would be nice to have. Well, you have to realistically fold it all into one budget. Uh, perhaps someday we will have in this country a system whereby individual citizens and taxpayers could indicate on their own tax return form how they would like to see their tax dollars spent. I've always thought that might be the way to solve uh, the budget crisis. Let the people who pay the taxes determine themselves. Of course, there's been uh, a lot of stink about uh, religious fundamentalists complaining about the aspect of Obamacare that would require uh, employers to provide insurance opportunities that would include uh, such things as uh, birth control, family planning, and even abortions as a violation of their religious freedoms. Uh, these same people have no trouble with the uh, violation of their religious freedoms in the money that goes to fund Guantanamo Bay, uh, torture sessions, uh, mass incarcerations, and of course the extremely violent military expenditures uh, that have been so costly in money and lives. Very few complaints there. Uh, notable letter in the Detroit Free Press Lately, I happen to be written by a good friend of mine who happens to be a Quaker, saying that, hey, if you've got a problem with uh, that aspect of taxes, do you have any problems with my uh, concern that my tax dollars are used for war? And that's a violation of his religious liberties as well. So we all have to make some sacrifices. We can't agree with everything, but uh, it seems to me that we might want to let uh, the individual... Taxpayers themselves have more say in how their tax dollars are spent. But that might get complicated because the corporate persons, of course, uh, would skew that system. So uh, we'll have to get back to you on that one. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, response to the uh, massacre uh, at the grade school. Uh, the NRA finally came out from its uh, prolonged silence. Uh, if you went to their website, as I suggested uh, listeners examine last week, uh, there was very little, in fact, there was nothing on the website uh, as of uh, five or six days ago about the terrible uh, shooting. Uh, they're not interested in that. They did have all sorts of nice little video clips of uh, sort of a fake 
NRA news anchor uh, clip. Uh, maybe they do have some sort of cable TV show on some obscure channel or some uh, satellite radio thing in all likelihood. Uh, but they were taking uh, NBC sports commentator Bob, Bob Costas to task for criticizing uh, the gun aspect of a murder-suicide in the NFL, saying that if such weapons weren't available, this player and his wife would still be alive. Many other tragedies could be averted. Well, he was taken to task for speaking. Well, he has no right to speak about that. He's a sports commentator. He should talk about sports. Well, that's, of course, another debate uh, in and of itself. But uh, I think uh, certainly when something like that happens to a football player, it becomes a football story. Um, they finally broke their silence, and the NRA's suggestion for how to prevent such a terrible thing like this from happening again is, of course, more guns. Let's have guns at schools. Of course, some have argued about teachers having guns. That's so insane and ludicrous that we've already dismantled that concept here on Gray Matters. I won't uh, trouble you with my argument on that again. Uh, but, uh, of course, nobody should be surprised uh, that the NRA's solution to gun violence is more guns. Uh, they see uh, this as the answer to all problems. Uh, but, of course, it's important to remember that the NRA gets more money from gun manufacturers and retailers than it gets from the actual individual members who theoretically constitute the National Rifle Association, uh, which is ostensibly a sportsman's organization. Rifles are for hunting. Hunting is a recreational pastime and, in olden times, a primary source of food for our great pioneer forebears, and we all love to celebrate the rugged individualism that has, of course, made this country great. Uh, but here we veer into the uh, bizarre world of American exceptionalism in some ugly and unfortunate ways. The language of the Second Amendment itself, as I suggested last week, is dreadfully ambiguous. Uh, the right to bear arms, of course, is the actual phrase. Uh, in order uh, that the states may maintain a well-organized militia. Clearly, these random events show us that there is no such thing as a well-organized militia. Back in the day of the Oklahoma uh, City bombing, we saw about these underground militias. These are not part of any organized system of anything but paranoid types. Uh, so the state does have a well-organized militia. It's called the National Guard. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, of course, when the language of the Constitution is written, uh, the framers uh, had only the current day weapons in mind. Uh, they had no way of knowing that these advanced, uh, massive magazine clips, high-powered weapons, really military commando-style tactical weapons, would be readily available uh, to the average citizen. Uh, we've really sort of lost track of what the framers had in mind. Uh, certainly they'd be horrified if they saw the situation, I uh, believe, that we're in now. Um, if uh, these proud NRA members would like to uphold that language of the Constitution, well, maybe that's fine, as long as everybody has a 1789-style uh, musket. Uh, 
as Dick Whaley said, look for the Stephen Colbert clip of loading the musket on the horse, and you'll see uh, that nobody wants to go back to those days. And again, I'll really strongly emphasize the distinction between the sportsman hunter, the normal gun owner. Uh, I have many friends who hunt. Hunting's a uh, honorable pastime. And I've always seen, for example, hunters as a natural ally for the environmentalist movement. Both are interested in pristine atmosphere, uh, climate for animals to uh, live natural lives, unmolested by the intrusion of man and his development. Um, certainly here in Michigan, we've seen how the deer population needs to be kept in check so that farmers can... Uh, harvest their crops without uh, their being ruined by deer. So although some people find it uh, morally wrong to kill animals, well, I'm going to put myself on the line here and say that uh, in this case, uh, we've got to protect the hunters. And so therefore, I think deer hunting is perfectly acceptable, especially when uh, deers uh, overwinter uh, don't have access to enough uh, nutrition and get sick and die. So let's let the hunters uh, thin the herds there. That's no problem. And so if you own weapons for hunting, that's fine. That's protected. That's legitimate. That's reasonable. Uh, if you own a single handgun for personal individual protection, uh, as long as you are careful, cautious, sane, and responsible, that's no problem either. But what's really beginning to be revealed as a special kind of American sickness is this need for massive guns, for multiple guns, for the 50, 100-round magazine clips. Nobody needs these. These are military-style weapons. And you wonder the extent to which this uh, sickness uh, is spread. Uh, just go to your local Kroger's grocery store. Look at the magazine rack. You'll see fashion magazines, children's magazines, Good old Mad Magazine is still on the uh, counter. In fact, I can't wait to see what Mad Magazine will have to say about the NRA in an upcoming issue. I eagerly await that. But then you come to the sports section. There's basketball, football. No, no hockey magazines at the moment. That's another story. Uh, and hunting magazines. And then there are the gun magazines. Now, at the local Kroger's that I uh, frequent, I counted eight or nine gun-related magazines. Three of these, excuse me, two of these were, were hunting related, and so, in my book, legitimate. Uh, one of these was actually an archery magazine, and also hunting related. Um, the others were high-powered tactical weapons. Really, it's sort of gun pornography. And I asked the person at the checkout counter, I asked the person at the office, do you ever sell any of these magazines? And they said, well, no, not really. But there they are. They're available. It's no doubt part of a package deal that the uh, magazine service uh, provides. Um, who's reading these? Who's buying these? I don't know. But I'd kind of like to know. And so one thing that I'm going to put out there and uh, make as a suggestion, um, neighborhoods have rights. And, for example, uh, in order to protect children, we have various laws that uh, allow uh, notification to be given uh, to families with children, neighbors, uh, neighborhoods and communities, uh, where a child molester moves into the neighborhood, people are notified. Uh, 
Well, I think one possible solution to uh, this turning your house into a munitions depot under the uh, dubious protection of the Second Amendment should be seen in the same light. I'd really like to know if somebody moves into my neighborhood with seven or eight tactical high-powered weapons. Uh, this is just as dangerous, potentially, as a child molester. Uh, certainly others in the neighborhood have the right to know. Now, as I said, you're a sportsman hunter. You've got a single handgun for your own personal protection. Fine. That's legitimate. But when you start to become uh, obsessed with these high-powered weapons, in fact, the, the very fact that the sales of these weapons uh, increases after such terrible shootings happen is another sign of the sickness. People are afraid, oh, gosh, because of this terrible tragedy, this particular weapon might not be available to me in the near future. Therefore, I'll buy as many as I can now. Against what potential threat? Nobody really knows, but because they have the opportunity, because they have the wherewithal, because they have the availability, uh, some sad and twisted individuals feel the need to uh, acquire mass quantities of these weapons. And I think that's one place to start. Um, to go back to the NRA's response that every school should have an armed guard, of course, I mentioned that last week, too, when I talked about how local high schools had, uh, for several years, been staffed with a uniformed armed police officer. Uh, that was very helpful. Uh, just knowing the officer was there as an educator uh, gave me the comfort to know that should something happen, there's a highly trained professional uh, ready to go. Um Knowing that there was an armed, uniformed police officer there, students potentially leaning towards that sort of trouble might obviously think twice about starting anything. And certainly that's uh, the intended effect. Well, this year, given the state uh, education cuts, the monies available for that particular uh, security element were no more. So here's uh, an interesting problem. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have an armed guard at the school, but I think that's only legitimate if it's a police officer, not just some random volunteer or some uh, NRA spokesperson, uh, but an actual trained uh, legal representative uh, of the community, a police officer. And you get to know the police officer. They're friendly fellows. They're good guys. They've got families, too. Uh, they valued the work and enjoyed the job. Officer Gold uh, is now out serving the community in other areas. Uh, I consider him a buddy uh, and a former co-worker. So I wish him a happy Christmas as well. If you're out there, Officer Gold, uh, my hat's off to you and uh, your fellow officers. Well, if we're going to go back to this armed guard at the schools and let's follow my guideline and make sure it's a uniformed police officer, where's that money going to come from? Because both the education budget and the police budgets were cut by the state. And of course, the same state that has attacked the rights of educators and police officers and firemen and so forth to form uh, collective bargaining units. And so I suspect that there will be very little interest on the state level in providing more funds for uh, law enforcement or education. So where's this money going to come from for this 
armed guard. Nobody wants to see their taxes go up, but maybe here's something we can start uh, talking about, uh, putting this back into, in, in my opinion, it shouldn't be part of the education budget at all, it should be part of the local municipality's budget, and to provide for a safe school uh, for everybody, that should come out of the local budget. But that's just my own personal opinion. Uh, one other thing I'd like uh, to sort of touch on here is that the NRA's members actually are more willing to uh, allow stricter gun controls than the spokespersons and uh, leaders of that organization. Uh, the New York Times editorial page of uh, Friday uh, is worth checking out there. Uh, they talk about this. Um, 69% of NRA members would support requiring all sellers at gun shows to conduct background checks of prospective buyers, which they do not have to do now, and which the NRA has steadfastly argued against. So most NRA members are not insane. I'll repeat that, because a lot of listeners might get the impression that we're just beating up on the people in the NRA. Uh, most members of the NRA are not insane. Most of them are legitimate sportsmen. I've got a buddy who's a member of the NRA. He's sickened by this language uh, that, again, from the gun selling aspect, because the primary funders of the NRA are the sellers and manufacturers of guns, uh, they want these things to continue to be available because they're the top sellers. Uh, they're the things that people get the knee-jerk reaction for. Ooh, got to get me one of those, uh, just in case uh, the Taliban apparently uh, spontaneously invades your neighborhood. And speaking of the Taliban, for those uh, hardcore gun enthusiasts who insist that they really must have these tactical military-style 100-round magazine clip weapons, um, you might just want to consider moving to Afghanistan. Uh, it's a wide-open country filled with lots of ample shooting opportunities. No one will care who or what you shoot, and uh, the sky's the limit on the number of weapons that you might stockpile there. Uh, there's probably some land available there for pretty cheap. Uh, I would suggest that as a healthy alternative. Um, but I will say this in conclusion, uh, talking about these... Uh, Consequences and follow-ups to the uh, massacre at the grade school. Um, I'm going to stand by what I said last week about erasing the names of perpetrators. I actually used a more colorful expression, but I'll stick with erasing the names now. Um, I think once you cross that line and attack children in such a reprehensible manner, whether you did it with an automatic weapon or with a baseball bat, it wouldn't matter. This kind of attack is completely uh, beastly, uh, inhuman. Uh, so the people who do these sorts of things should have their names erased. They're just that jerk, that asshole. I'll say it again. There you go. I said it. Sorry to say that on Christmas Eve, but there you go. But <clears throat> I do want to sort of, uh, take a step back from that and say that in order to actively prevent more of these wretched occurrences, <clears throat> What we're all going to have to do is much more difficult. We're going to have to be more kind and even more loving towards problematic jerks. 
and I know this is not a popular or easy thing to do, uh, it's much easier to just shrug your shoulders, roll your eyes, and go, what a jerk. But the alienated loner, the uh, pathetic loser, uh, the constantly rebuffed individual who clumsily reaches out uh, to have some sort of uh, social engagement, we really need to be more sympathetic, helpful, and encouraging to these people. Certainly as an educator, I see this in classrooms where there's the shy kid who says the, the, the wrong thing from time to time. People like to laugh at that person. People like to single that person out for abuse uh, or even uh, just to ignore them at all, which is uh, also a special kind of treatment. Uh, and that's really something that we could also all work on. Uh, and that might, in some small way, help prevent terrible tragedies like this from happening. There's so much unhappiness in the world. Uh, why would we want to add to it? by mocking and ridiculing people who are already struggling uh, to belong and fit in. And so in the spirit of uh, Christmas and loving and generosity and kindness and compassion and Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi and John Lennon and anyone else you want to throw into that basket of uh, philosophers, this is something we're going to need to work on as Americans, too. Uh, trying to be nicer to each other. And if that means not cutting people off in the parking lot, or if it means not reaching for your gun, if it means just being nice to the guy that everybody thinks is a jerk, give it a try and let's see what that will do. Uh, we don't really know until we try. Uh, just a couple minutes away from uh, Yazoo City Calling, which is ready down the hall. So thanks very much to Andrew King for engineering tonight. Stay tuned for Jerry Mack in a festive seasonal Nothing But the Blues. Uh, no, excuse me, Yazoo City Calling. You'll have to wait till Saturday for Nothing But the Blues. Uh, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Every experience is a learning experience, including LSD. There's no such thing as a flashback, Danny. You need to get a job so that you can curb this free-form anxiety of yours. WCBN FM Ann Alba. It's free for 88.3 on your toaster. Tampa Red in the background doing the uh, guitar blues. I believe with Eddie Lang on the other guitar, it's a duet there between those two virtuosos of jazz and blues guitar from the 20s and 30s. And they're picking away at uh, their music, telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Tonight it's 
Yazoo City Christmas Calling as we're going to play 